0: We were actually joking. We were like, hey, that's not a terrible band name. Uh, Maybe we'll start that (laughs) off on the summit. Hi, we're Banana Hammer.
1: (laughs) My name is Sarah Bordeev, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Today, we're going to be chatting about everyone's go-to topic for small talk, the weather. We're taking you to the inaugural New England Winter Weather Summit held at Stratton Mountain, Vermont December 2nd and 3rd. This event brought together members of the media, ski area operators and meteorologists not only to talk about the weather but to talk about how we talk about the weather. Now we've got some new toys this time around that we're learning how to use. I promise we'll get better at it but bear with us in the meantime if you hear any interference. We'll kick this off with a chat with the power trio who organized the event NASDAQ President Esalt Devlin, Myra Foster, Stratton Mountain Senior Manager of Marketing Communications, and Roger Lohr, Editor of XCSkiResorts.com.
2: What was the original goal of this program? The original goal was to open a dialogue. Um, There are so many meteorologists who understand that winter weather is to be celebrated to enjoy. There are others that are not quite as committed, so we were hoping that On that side, we would be able to introduce them to skiing, snowshoeing, snowboarding, and really the joys that we all feel about winter. Basically, we wanted to educate people on the the business that the ski industry does, you know, how they, um, what the trends are in snowmaking, what the trends are in grooming, and how those um, technologies can help resorts recover from different weather events. And, you know, we hope that the media that was at, the Weather Summit will write about these things and that the meteorologists will feel um, educated enough about it to speak on the air. And another element was we're really proud of what we do here in the mountains, here in Vermont and at Stratton, and it gave our snowmakers and groomers an opportunity to have a voice to explain what they do, and they really um, came off as heroic. There were so many questions, and I don't know that people really know the level of commitment and the work that they do to provide skiing from before Thanksgiving right through March.
1: A huge percentage of the attendees here were also ski area operators, not only coming in t- as speakers uh, and presenters, but as attendees. What were you hoping that they specifically were going to get out of this?
3: I think one of the things that we heard of uh, from Killington, in fact, was Rob Megnan was saying he just wanted to go on the chairlift and make a friend and you know, develop a relationship you know, or a friendship with, with a meteorologist in a day-to-day. And that one-to-one that one of the meteorologists spoke to is really important, cultivating... You know, where you can make a telephone call. I need something from a ski area or a ski area. I need to talk to a meteorologist about something. We wanted to help develop those relationships.
2: And when Neil Astano said, you know, give me, um, send me photos, respond to me via Facebook, and he opened an invitation that I think we were all
4: hungry for.
1: Everyone likes an invitation to the party. So we'll jump over to Neil Astano and get all the details.
4: My name is Neil Astano. I work at WNYT in Albany, New York. It's the NBC affiliate there. And,
1: and you have a great relationship with a lot of the ski areas in this region. How do you cultivate those relationships and how do ski areas reach out to you?
4: Well, I've, I've been in the North American Snow Sports Journalists Association for about 30 years. And over the years, I've gotten to know a lot of the ski resort operators. I think a lot of them have reached out to me over the years because I'm friendly to winter um, I don't stay inside lock the doors in the winter I the winters are too long around here so I get out and try to do it and I've gotten involved in skiing since I was a, a kid and I think that uh, they've recognized that and they reach out to me uh, to get their story told on the air um, as I said during my uh, presentation I, I'm not a PR extension of a ski resort but any information uh, okay. is really helpful and we I, I welcome uh, all kinds of weather reports, whether it's raining or it's snowing. And great pictures uh, are com- that are compelling and tell a story will be used on the air all the time. Is it a- worth a thousand words? Ask yourself that question.
1: What kind of subject matter do you really like to see in those photos?
4: Well, what's helpful for us is, as far as a wrap-up of a snowstorm are pictures that show snow depth, like show the snow sitting on a chairlift or on a picnic table or um, it doesn't have to be a brochure shot. Something with an unusual snow formation of snow coming off a roof and curling or snow rollers you might see on on a slope somewhere. That's something unique and different and it's not your everyday humdrum picture of a ski area.
1: Do you have any other last minute advice for ski area operators in connecting with their local meteorologist?
4: Go to uh, TV station websites Find out who, who the people are that aren't afraid of winter, that get out there and ski or snowboard or, or uh, snowshoe, because it's all in their bios, what they like to do. So it's, it's going to take some legwork I reach out and find out what the best format would be for pictures or what kind of information they would like to see. Um, and a lot of the on-air talent on TV stations, they have their own Facebook page separate from the TV station's Facebook page. And uh, it's a lot easier to get a picture on the air, post it onto a Facebook page, than it is by email. Email is very cumbersome, and um, I, I, I kind of dread email pictures because they're difficult for me to get on the air. It's just a lot more work, a lot more steps.
1: You mentioned reaching out to people who already are snow lovers. What about the areas who have local meteorologists who maybe aren't so winter friendly?
4: Maybe invite them to come visit and see what it's all about have somebody there show them how to dress or maybe even loan them some clothes to get out there on the slope. And uh, maybe not invite them when it's 10 below and blowing at 30 miles an hour. It might, might, it might not be the best day, but uh, show them that there are people out here, thousands of people out at a ski resort around the viewing area, having fun and enjoying it and not locked in for the winter.
1: One group who is definitely not locked in for the winter, the meteorologists at the summit of Mount Washington, We're going to chat with Ian Bailey and learn the origin of the banana hammer.
0: My name is Ian Bailey. I am a weather observer and education specialist for the summit of Mount Washington.
1: And what do you do on Mount Washington?
0: So I'm in charge of developing the educational programs and doing all of the outreach to classrooms and educational trips that come up to the summit. So I'm really responsible for developing the content that we present to people to help them understand what it's like to live and work on the summit of Mount Washington. And is also experience the extreme weather that we do and why we get that weather that we do. So
1: I know Mount Washington is known for some of the worst weather on the planet. What are some of the worst weather conditions that you have experienced being up on Mount Washington?
0: So actually, just recently, this past Thanksgiving, we got temperatures that dropped to negative 26 degrees, which is by far the coldest temperature that I've ever experienced, uh, which produced a wind chill of negative 70 degrees or negative 75. And so just incredibly bitter cold. And we had talked that morning that, you know, we really couldn't go outside without an incredible amount of like snow and heavy, like, uh, excuse me, heavy gear, Uh, two coats, two hats, two masks, the whole shebang. Um, And so at first we were like, you know, we probably shouldn't go outside. We'll just take our observations from inside and handle it. But then we realized that there was a lot of potential to have fun with it as well, Uh, and so we did. We geared up in all of our heavy, cold gear and things like that and went outside and did a couple of science experiments.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about those science experiments?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my personal favorite one uh, was the banana hammer experiment. Um, so while we were gearing up and getting ready to go outside, we actually took a banana from our storage uh, and tossed it outside into a snowdrift and left it out there in the sub-zero temperatures for about an hour. Uh, when we went back outside, we took a 2x4 and a couple of nails with us, and by the time we had gotten outside, the banana had frozen so hard that it could be used as a hammer. Uh, and so we actually took a small nail and a roofing nail and drove it into the 2x4 just using the banana, and it actually stayed intact too. Uh, We have pictures of it as well, and I was absolutely blown away. I thought the banana would have been destroyed or maybe even shattered, but it held together, and we used it as a hammer.
1: (laughs) That is fantastic and hilarious, and probably the best hashtag I'm ever going to see.
0: (laughs) We were actually joking. We were like, hey, that's not a terrible band name. Uh, Maybe we'll start that off on the summit. Hi, we're Banana Hammer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here on PodSAM, the origination of Banana Hammer. (laughs) So you guys go out in every type of temperature to the point where you can freeze a banana and use it as a hammer. How do you get prepared for that level of weather?
0: So there is a lot of planning that goes into it. We actually look a couple of days in advance through our forecast models to see when that weather is coming in the first place. And there's a lot of discussion that goes into, you know, how, how are we going to do our hourly observations? So, you know, if it's going to be that cold outside, you can get frostbite in less than you know 60 seconds in freezing temperatures like that. So we need, you know, Double jackets, double face masks, you know, all of the cold weather gear so that there's no exposed skin. uh, So we can be outside in the cold temperatures to record the observations. And that's just temperature. With wind, it's completely different. You know, we can forecast 100 mile an hour winds about 48 hours in advance. Uh, And when we notice that it's getting up to that point, we actually make sure that we have the proper instrumentation on top of the tower. Uh, And also, you know, we still do go outside. And so we have to practice staying low to the deck. Uh, wearing the right gear that's not going to get caught in the wind so that we get blown over. And in the event that we do get blown over, how do we crawl our way back to the door, back to safety? And so there's a lot of training. There's a lot of practice that goes into it. Uh, and part of the job is being physically fit to be able to handle these conditions. So it's, you know, something that we have to deal with.
1: So you guys deal with incredible wind, incredible temperatures. You know, we're we here at the Winter Weather Summit. We're talking to meteorologists and ski area operators As someone who deals with crazy weather, how do you communicate the level of preparedness that you deal with to people that come up to learn about the weather observation station and go to your museums and all that stuff?
0: So we really try to drive that through our education and since we try to literally show people what these extreme conditions are like and how we prepare for this, you know, they can relate to it. So if you tune into a live from the rock pile or a Facebook live where we actually show people and go outside in these crazy conditions, you can see the gear that we wear and you can see the different things that we do to withstand the cold temperatures or the high winds. Uh, our museum exhibits talk about all of these crazy conditions and you know talk about how you can prepare to go hiking and things like this. Uh, and then lastly, and when we do outreach programs, we tell people just to do your research. You know, Look into the weather forecast and look into the conditions and make sure that you have the appropriate gear. And we just try to spread awareness of the fact that you can and should go out and participate in winter sports and be out in these conditions. But you need to be prepared, and so through you know showing people what it's like and just trying to stress it through our forecast and our our media outreach, uh, we're hoping that people can kind of get an understand of, uh, an understanding of what's going on, uh, so they can go out and do this safely.
1: And for ski area operators who don't deal with quite the same level of weather that you guys do, but still need to communicate this same type of information to their clientele, do you have any advice to share with them?
0: Absolutely. So just you know be honest and true with the forecast that you're showing out there. Uh, And if you are showing extreme conditions, you know, don't tell people to go away. Don't tell people to stay away. Just tell them to be prepared. You know, if it's going to be bitterly cold, make sure they're wearing their heavy winter gear. If you're going to have high winds, make sure that they're bringing goggles and just try to show them that it is okay. You just have to have the right gear, do the right work and be prepared to enjoy the things you're going to do outside.
1: We're going to switch gears and get the resort perspective. Jump over to a conversation with Killington's Rob Magnin, Wachusett's Tom Myers and Sam's own Dave Meeker.
5: I'm Tom Myers, Director of Marketing at Wachusett Mountain Ski Area. I'm
3: Rob Magnin, Director of Marketing Sales Reservations for Killington and Pico.
1: Uh, So what brings you guys to the Winter Weather Summit?
5: Well, weather is our lifeblood, you know, and it's so important for the ski industry to have a dialogue with the meteorologists. Not just to criticize them when they get their forecasts wrong or when they complain about winter weather but to help educate them and help get them to understand our business better so it's really about just maintaining a consistent relationship and showing them that snow is not a four-letter word and you know there's a lot of people out in the world that hate winter and don't help perpetuate that feeling you know help educate them don't tell them it's too cold to go outside in the wintertime or when it's cold out tell them how to dress tell them how to go out and have fun, tell them how to go out and exercise. So it's really just maintain an ongoing dialogue and communication.
3: Uh, Absolutely, but I think for for this specific event, there's some other opportunities like Tomorrow, I just lined up a date on the snow with a guy from Hartford that's never skied before. So I'm gonna try to help him out, teach him a little bit. And I think that, you know, that's the opportunity to sit on a chair and just talk about the weather and some of the things that he does, some of the things that we do, get to know each other. And that's kind of the start of a relationship that I hope will go on for many, many years if this thing can, can just get some legs. Tom,
6: could you tell the story about the time you were watching the news and this message came across the weather cast, and and you know your reaction to that.
5: Years ago, an unnamed television station broadcast the weather during a cold spell, and in icicle letters on the weather map, printed the words "too cold to ski," and then when they cut to commercial proceeded to have a Wachusett Mountain Ski Area commercial. (laughs) So needless to say, that did not set well with us. We contacted that station. We pulled a lot of advertising from that station. We put that station in the penalty box for probably three years and really tried to make a statement with not just their sales department, but with their meteorologists, that it's not up to you to tell people it's too cold to ski tell them it's cold out tell them it's great weather for snowmaking tell them how to dress but don't put the words in their mouth that make the decision for them
1: we're going to interrupt this conversation and check out the ad that tom and his team created in response to that story obviously this is just the audio but if you want to watch it in all of its glory you can check it out on wachusett's youtube channel
7: and this Arctic blast that moved in last night means it is going to be bitterly cold today. It's going to be
2: tough to make it outside. In fact, too cold to ski. Hey, guys, no skiing today. It's too <sighs> cold outside. Oh, man. My forecast work. I've got the whole place to myself.
4: Man, if you listen to those weather people, you'd never go outside. It's true. Here's a tip for the day. If it's cold, don't ski naked. Is it really that cold? It is never too cold to ski.
7: That's what I thought
1: okay, that was fun. Now back to Rob and Tom. What advice would you both have for ski area operators who aren't here today about connecting with their local meteorologists to encourage those relationships and get them to share those types of information and stories?
5: Again, communication. Don't just call them when they get it wrong. Don't just call them when you want to complain because that's when they're going to shut down. You need to have a positive dialogue, positive level of communication so that they understand your business and when it's time to report the weather, they do it in a constructive way.
3: That's what this event is all about. It's getting together and doing the networking that you need to do to understand them, they understand us, we can work together. And again, sitting on a chair with somebody and talking to them and understanding them and understanding what they say on air it's a great opportunity this is a start it's about networking and I just would hope that more industry people as time goes on will be more supportive of this this is a great start we've got quite a few people here and it's great to see them all come out
1: Rob mentioned meeting a meteorologist who is not a skier or rider so we pulled him aside to chat about forecasting
7: my name is Tim Levine and I'm a meteorologist for Fox 61 news in Hartford Connecticut
1: so as a meteorologist down in Connecticut what how do you prepare people for incoming weather? Well,
7: it's always a challenge trying to determine what type of effects you're going to get from a storm because Connecticut is very special in having the ability to see not only a shoreline, a valley, but also hill-based locations that are higher in elevation that typically tend to defy forecasts, especially when it comes to snowfall rates, snowfall ratios, as well as uh, type of precip that that you'll see in borderline conditions. So For me, it's always about trying to help my viewer plan their day. So I try to take it from the approach of if I was them, what would I need?
1: And when you're trying to prepare your viewership for any type of incoming weather, do you consider the impacts to local and regional business as part of that weather preparedness?
7: Yeah, it's definitely a big deal too when it comes to local business. Because if I tell viewers that we're going to get a foot of snow but I'm not necessarily as confident, every business reacts as well. So all of my forecasts come at a consequence, they come at a price. So I have to be confident when I go out there and I, and I issue a forecast, especially when it comes to an extreme event like a major snowfall or a blizzard, because those businesses are going to react as as, as well. They don't wanna put their employees in danger, they don't wanna put themselves in danger, they don't wanna put their business in danger or waste a day you know, burning all of the lights, trying to keep everything open spending all the money for that in order to see no business walk into their door because if it's a blizzard and it's a crippling one no one's gonna walk in the door that day everybody's gonna be home hunkered down you know everything that I say on air is going to affect how somebody views their planning for the next day
1: so you've come up here to Stratton Mountain in Vermont for the winter weather summit we've got a whole bunch of ski area operators here a bunch of meteorologists and media What can we as the ski industry do to better communicate with meteorologists in places like Connecticut or uh, Arizona or wherever the main group of skiers are coming to these resorts?
7: Well, one thing that I can say is also when you have the ability to create great snow conditions through snowmaking or through getting natural snow. Broadcast that out. Let your media partners know because, especially as meteorologists, you know we may not necessarily send somebody up there uh, with a reporter trying to get a story on it. But a meteorologist is most definitely going to say, "Hey, you know the resorts are going to be great." If I was a Vermont meteorologist after we saw the natural snow that we've seen earlier this year, I'd be the first person to say, "Listen, ski ski areas are opening early. Get out there. It, this is a great time." There's snowmaking, the conditions are just perfect for it. I came up here to learn the science of snowmaking, to learn the science of what you guys look for in order to create the perfect snow conditions and the perfect ski conditions for people that are coming up here to your resorts. That's on me so that I can tell a better story. On top of that, if you really wanna help meteorologists out, observations are the way to go, okay? If you have the ability to get something, you know, quick and dirty, automated observations, something that you can also report to the National Weather Service, it is helpful, not only to the National Weather Service, but to us, because we work in tandem with the National Weather Service in order to get the weather message out. The more observations we have, the better we can do that, especially in extreme weather situations.
1: I've heard a rumor that it's been a little while since you've been on snow.
7: Oh, yes, Uh about 20 years. In fact, I was a kid. It was bunny slopes at a golf course, but my dad bought me a cheap little snowboard and I'm going to dust it off. Don't call it a hall of fame performance tomorrow, but I'm getting on the slopes in Stratton tomorrow. So.
1: Preparedness is key. And I know the insurance guys agree. We're going to jump over to Tim Barnhorst from Mountain Guard. So Tim, you and Mountain Guard are sponsoring the Winter Weather Summit. Can you tell us a little bit about why you and your company have gotten involved?
8: Yeah, I think uh, I think as a company, we need to kind of broaden our horizon and, and our support for the industry. And weather and forecasting and the interaction we have with customers, it's a really important part of our industry. And it's it's something that might not necessarily have anything to do with insurance, but it's something that is for the greater good of the industry. And I think the interaction that we have with the entire industry as a whole and with the weather community i think is a good thing for everybody
1: so what are you hoping that attendees get out of this
8: event well i think more than anything it's it's that there's no such thing as bad weather it's how prepared you are to deal with whatever weather you're dealt for instance today we're up at cannon with my six-year-old son and nine-year-old daughter and they skied for four hours in the rain and they couldn't wait to ski and i think it's all how you prepare for it and i think it's how we prepare the general public for that participation in our sport regardless of the conditions because People can forecast things and say, stay inside and, you know, it's too cold to go outside. But I think as long as you're prepared, you have the right equipment, you have the right clothing. As Stan was saying from the North Face today, you know, they they make all this technology, but it's a a matter of communicating with the general public that may not know the details of what it takes to ski in that kind of weather.
1: One way to communicate what's going on? The snow report. Sam's Dave Meeker jumped in on to ask a few questions about non-frozen precipitation.
0: I've got a couple of
6: questions about snow reporting, if you don't mind.
4: No! no. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, non-frozen precipitation, premature snow, wet stuff, or rain? Go.
5: Rain Happens and, and at Wachusett Mountain, it happens a little more frequently than we probably would like it. You can't ignore it, you can't hide it, you can't not talk about it. We always try to focus on what's coming next because we'll get a day of rain as sure as I'm standing here, but the next day it's going to be sunny or snowy or cold and we're going to be blowing snow. So we're always talking uh, not just about the current weather, but what's coming down the road. And turning around quickly is what we're good at. So it's absolutely a part of what we do, but we just have to kind of focus on what's coming after it.
3: Truth be told, there's two things. He already kind of hit on one. One is, is that we have a great capacity to turn the mountain around in a very short period of time. Snowmaking and grooming is what it is today. We can make that all happen, right? And then, as you said, the weather is going to be what it is, and we're just going to have to deal with it. But some of the best skiing you'll ever have is in the rain because the snow is so soft. It's like butter, just like butter.
5: There's really no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad clothing. And that's part of the process that if the meteorologists start on the same page as the ski areas, trying to better educate not the skiers, but the non-skiers. And to me, that's what we're all about because we're so close to the market. We introduce so many people every year to the sport how do we better educate them that winter is not bad it's good
6: the primary goal of the snow report aside from disseminating number of trails surface condition what lifts are spinning in your opinion what is the primary goal of a snow report
3: it's i think it's changed radically in the last number of years with social media and the internet and all that I mean now it's about a narrative and then all of the other elements that you put along with it like webcams and videos and you know broadcasts from the snow it's changed a lot but it's also just to describe really what's going on so like today I went down from Killington down to Rutland. There's a different environment from a couple thousand feet, and it's really about trying to make sure that people understand that we do have a lot of snow up at a higher elevation, and there is a different environment, right? So we have to educate them, but we have to show them as well too now. So it's really kind of changed in the last number of years.
5: Being so close to Boston where it's frequently completely different weather than it is at Wachusett, we're really focused on the video part. We committed five years ago, to do a daily video just to visually show the conditions. We used to have a kid on the phones doing a recording which uh, gave the number trails, gave the number of lifts, but that individual never actually even went out on the hill. And how can you sell such a visual sport without physically showing it in video? So we send them out. We actually call the team of snow reporters at Wachusett, the SWAT team. And SWAT stands for skiing weather all the time. And that's how we present it every single day.
1: The snow report is a key tool to communicate with your guests. And it's one that's rapidly evolving and changing with new technology, changing guest expectations. I'm going to pull Dave in to share his thoughts on the subject.
6: Broadcast meteorologists and snow reporters have pretty much the same job, and that is to provide information that helps to prepare people for what it's going to be like outside. In the May 2018 issue of SAM, I wrote an article called Variable Conditions. Uh, It's all about snow reporting and how an accurate and timely daily snow report is critical to success, but not everybody is knocking it out of the park. And A big part of the article talks about honesty and becoming a trusted resource. If a guest doesn't trust the information that a mountain is providing, then how is that guest to know exactly what to expect? One thing that both meteorologists and snow reporters can't do nowadays is fib about what the conditions are going to be like. As Steve Wright says in The article, there are too many channels that connect to reality. And that's true. When I first started snow reporting in 2004, we weren't allowed to include the words rain or wind or anything that described weather conditions other than it being really good out there. So we weren't being honest and we lost trust. Things have all changed now.
1: It was the same thing when I was first snow reporting. It actually turned into a bit of a game to see how many ways you could come up with to describe rain without actually saying the dreaded R-word. Non-frozen precipitation, premature snow. At the end of the day though, there's no more sugarcoating the weather. It can't all be blue skies, white snow, and silver linings when you not only have to provide the information via a written snow report or snow phone. But you have live cameras on snow stakes, social media, weather apps, and just general consumer expectations.
6: One thing that meteorologists have that we as an industry don't necessarily have is consistency. They deal with certain descriptions of weather that are provided by whatever, I don't know, they they all use partly cloudy, partly sunny, mostly sunny and there are definitions for them. In snow reporting, we have surface conditions, which are generally accepted between powder, packed powder, variable conditions, hard pack. But everything else is kind of customized. It seems that mountains snow report differently depending on where they're located.
1: It's like you talk about in variable conditions. Eastern resorts tend to have more of a narrative style of telling the weather conditions for the day, whereas Western resorts tend to do trails, lifts, basic temperature, and keep it pretty straightforward. The trick of it is, though, that everybody seems to use different icons, different terms, different descriptions for what's happening on a day-to-day basis.
6: One thing snow reporters need to keep in mind is that not everybody that reads the snow report is a seasoned skier or snowboarder.
1: Right. And as it's been said before, we're really good at talking to ourselves. If the message only speaks to the core, those who aren't core skiers and riders just won't get it and can easily get discouraged. One thing we can do is imitate our meteorologist friends. Their forecast is derived from looking at and deciphering a lot of really complicated stuff, which they can then go on air and describe in ways that allows all viewers, not just weather geeks who understand the terminology, to understand.
6: Doesn't hurt to dumb things down a little.
1: All right, that's episode eight in the books. And while this pod may be over, the conversation certainly isn't. When was the last time you chatted with your local meteorologist? Whether that's part of your role or not, they're certainly talking about your product. The trick is how. Subscribe to PodSAM on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get yours. Year two of the Summit Series is headed your way soon. This series started with a six-episode run of year one of the Summit Series. You can catch up on last year's episodes here on PodSAM and follow along to the current season in the pages of SAM Magazine by subscribing at saminfo.com slash subscribe. Look for our newest project with snow operating, My First Mountain. We're celebrating the community ski hills and small ski areas where many of us got our first turns on snow. Stories are collected and shared at saminfo.com. Share your memories, read great stories, and celebrate ski areas with My First Mountain. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeyev, and thank you for listening to PodSAM.